This month in the Hustle Humbly community, we're talking all about working with family. Not just as a real estate business partner or team, but also representing family in their own transactions. Want to hear other community members share their stories and advice? There's still time to join us in the group and participate in the May Live. Head over to hustlehumblypodcast.com slash membership to sign up. See you there. Hey, y'all. It's Alyssa. During this episode, we go through a laundry list of things we need to check during the due diligence period. Since it's a lot of information, we made you a free buyer template, which we have called Make Sure You're Sure List. You can get this template for free right now at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash make sure. By the way, if you are an email template owner, you will automatically receive this email to your course. Check the show notes for the link. I can remember my first buyer checklist had like six things on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of situations lately. Right. Learn from me. Learn from me. You don't own the back 30 feet of your yard. Oh, that's a lot. Because it's going to be a parking lot for a new retail shopping center. Oh my God. Wait. Um, wait. <laughs> Come interview the dog. Like, <laughs> do you whatever will, you have to do. You will fall in love with the dog. We're not gonna go see this house because you can't have chickens. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, Katie. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. Today is episode 191, and we're going to talk about doing your due diligence. Shall we start with the story? I love when you start with a story. (laughs) That inspired this episode. Please, that's the best kind of episode. Let's hear the story. (laughs) Um, You know, learn from what we go through on the daily, because we are realtors that actually work and are in the grind with you every day. Every day. (laughs) Okay, so once upon a time, (laughs) recently, um, I had a listing that was primarily stucco. Okay. Very large stucco home. Okay. And I noticed when I went for the listing appointment that, you know, there were some areas of the stucco that would need some repair. So we had a licensed and insured stucco company come out and made certain repairs before the list before before we listed active okay mostly the back of the house okay the front of the house still had some things but we didn't notice them until after we power washed and i was like well we'll you know we'll see how a home inspection goes we need to get this thing on the market okay this can just be negotiated during inspections love it So on the property disclosure, my seller had noted that several years ago, they had termites under their dining room window, that their termite company came out, treated, Mm -hmm. and he he had it under contract. He never voided his contract. It was still under contract. Continuous. Continuous, yes. For over 10 years, as a matter of fact. So we have termites under the dining room window several years ago. Fine. Great. We have a termite contract. They came. They fixed. They left. Right. He kept up the renewal. Okay. He even said after that happened, I was kind of OCD about- Because he was worried. Yes. Like this can happen to anyone, especially in Louisiana. So that's what happened. So we listed the home, had the property disclosure all there. Um, the buyer's agent 
did about 10% due diligence in this transaction. They okay. did about 10% of a- anything. Yeah, it was it was very unfortunate. I did most of it. Okay. He um the things that were asked for me to do on behalf of the his client, the buyer. Mm-hmm. Um I've never had an agent ask me to do those things. Okay. But obviously we need to get to the closing table, so I handled right. the majority of the transaction. Um but there were times when I said, "No, this is something you have to do." No, I will not attend the home inspection. You will do that. He wanted you to go to the yes. inspection? Yes. Why? What was the reasoning? I He just thought he, – he just – I mean, I did everything else. So he's he, like, I don't want to go. Can I ask a side question? Yeah. Did he have another job? No. Just didn't want to do this one? Correct. Okay. You would think, call the broker. He is the broker. It was a very – That's always – how many times have we told that story? I would have 100% called a broker in this situation. But he was the broker. Right. And so my goal was to just stay kind and – I did not make my seller aware of any of the struggles I was having because they didn't involve him. It was not necessary. I was going to handle it and get us to the closing table. Okay. So he even asked me who I use for my home inspector. I gave my home inspector. Great. And he scheduled and I told him he can meet the home inspector. He asked me to meet. I said no. No. Anyway, long story short, the stucco was flagged. Um... And so we had a a licensed and insured stucco company come out to give an estimate. The initial estimate came back at $13,000. Okay. We I sent the quote to the buyer and the buyer wanted to meet the stucco company at the house, which I thought was an excellent idea on the okay. buyer's behalf. Great. The they met the stucco company and some of the things that he had quoted as a repair, the buyer was like, I know you can repair that, but I want it replaced. Okay. So new quote came back at twenty thousand. Okay. Um, we agreed and moved forward. So we okay. had an agreement that we are not doing any of this. We're giving you money. We're giving you money and you will handle that on your own after closing. Right. So Everything is fine. And then after closing, I get a call from Frantic Agent saying that when the stucco company removed the stucco, it was full of termites. Like active still? Active termites. Oh, my. That because of the nature of stucco, really nobody could have seen this. Right. The inspector could not have seen it. Yeah, you don't know what's happening in the The stucco company did not see this. Right. And not that it matters – but this agent did not have a termite inspection. Now, my inspector said, honestly, yes, he should have. But this would not have been found. Okay. This would not have been found until the stucco was ripped off. Okay. Um, so the damage came out to be closer to like eighty to $90,000. Whoa. Yeah. Big. But again, this happens. Yes. We did nothing wrong. No. Nobody, well, I, me and my seller did nothing wrong. The buyer did nothing wrong. The list, the buyer's agent did not do a great job of explaining to his buyer that this is now your house. Right. And you can't, in Louisiana, we are as is. You cannot return it. Right, right. There is no fraud. He, he started getting very defensive and somewhat 
I don't want to say ugly, but just like saying things like, you're the real estate professional and you're supposed to fix this. No, no. You're the real estate professional and you are supposed to advise your client of what their what their choices are. Right. Right. And so it just became this big Again, I kept I told I kept my seller informed, but he is really not involved in this. No. I said, "Mr. Agent, my seller did everything he was supposed to do." Right. He disclosed that he once upon a time had termites several years ago. Yeah. He did what he was supposed to do by keeping his termite contract up to date. Right. And that's all that anybody can do. You had a home inspection. This was a surprise. I'm very sorry. Right. Your buyers did not ask us to make the repairs. Everyone on your end was okay with an allowance. It just is what it is, you know? Right. So what it came down to, the reason that they were so upset is because apparently whatever policy my seller had didn't cover cert- like the warranty that this of the termite con- of the termite the warranty that this particular termite contract offered was not great right and so it's not covering a lot so what brought this to my attention is that I've had many situations with termite contracts or a seller will accidentally fill out a property disclosure saying yes I have a termite contract when it's actually a pest control contract and never covered termites, okay? So are we as agents, and you know, it's hard because our list, you can't cover everything, right? but it seems that this is a recurring problem, which is why we are dedicating a whole episode to it, of things that you should be doing during your due diligence period besides just a home inspection. Right. Perhaps in this situation, when you see that a seller has a termite contract. And previous termites. And previous termites. Maybe you should call the termite company. Make sure the account is in good standing. It does, in fact, cover termites. Get a copy of the warranty. Like, what does it cover? Right. Like, really look into instead of just taking the word. Right. And or you don't have to do that as an agent. This episode, I think, is going to be important for consumers as well. Yes. The consumer is the one making the purchase at the end of the day. Yes, your agent should be your advocate and should be helping and guiding you. But if you need to know certain things, it's really on you during that due diligence period to find them out. So there's no reason why a ran- that buyer couldn't have called that termite company and asked those questions. 100%. So my seller, when I asked if he knew, he was like, no, I mean, I called a company to get under contract. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that what there's different did. levels right. or nope, nothing was ever upsold to me that I declined. I just agreed, right. had them treat the house, placed it under contract and have kept it under contract ever since. Because as consumers, there are lots of things that we assume. Correct. Right. Like, oh, well, that's. Everyone does it the same. So, right. It's right? under termite contract, so everything is covered. Right. But not all termite companies are the same. They don't all offer structural damages. They don't all offer certain warranties. And right. so understanding, like, what are you actually getting with certain things? And the only time you really have to find that out is during your due diligence well, period. nothing's ever a problem until it's a problem. Correct. Right. <laughs> and that is what every time there's a problem, the to-do list of things we need to be checking it gets, gets longer. longer. I mean, I can remember my first buyer checklist 
had like six things on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now you're like a million oh, things are running through yes, your head. There's a all million the time. things to check. Right. Let's talk about some of those okay, things. So the point is we're gonna focus in on not when things happen after closing. We're gonna actually talk about that in a coming episode. But what should you as a consumer and an agent be doing during that due diligence period? And I would like to start by saying, what is the due diligence period? Mm -hmm. Well, when you write a contract, there's some amount of time. Locally, we call it the inspection period. And you know, because of this, I am trying to get out of calling it the inspection period and calling it the due diligence period because some people think, well, you have your home inspection. And then you're done. And that's it. I did my home inspection. But like... Did you check the schools? Right. Did you check your insurance? Did you check oh, your monthly worry. notes? We We're going to go over list. all of this of the we things besides a home inspection. Right. So your due diligence means you are learning about the property and all the things you need to know to make an informed purchase. And that period of time ends not at closing, no. sometime far before closing, likely. Locally, it's usually what? 10, 14 days, something in that neighborhood is standard, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so maybe you have 10 days. That's when you have to check everything because after the 10 days, as long as your loan is approved and your appraisal is good, there really are not outs for you unless you go to walk through and something traumatic has happened. You can't just say, never mind, I found out X and Mm -hmm. I don't want to move forward. I recently had a situation. I've had a lot of situations (laughs) lately. (laughs) Learn from me, learn from me. Where I had the listing and it was four days before closing and I got a call from the buyer's agent who was delightful. She was very professional and just matter of fact and her client is doing something wrong. And she's not <laughs> trying to defend him. She's just trying to keep it very factual. So she said, oh, my no. buyer would like me to type up a cancellation. I'm going to check the box that says financing. But I have to be honest with you, like his financing was not denied. He just was not happy with his final monthly note. <laughs> He just, in the beginning, took the word of what the, you know. He just said, approved, okay. Oh, I'm approved? Great, great. And then four days before closing when it's the real deal and you get Mm -mm. your final numbers and Mm -mm. he went, oh my gosh, I don't know that I want to do this. Right. And she said, you know, I advised him of the potential things that could happen that the seller could sue for right. you know ten, in our in our purchase agreement in Louisiana it's 10% default penalty right or or to do the thing which is buy the house right or force you to buy the home uh that's called specific, specific performance. performance yes and so she said you know he's just going to take that risk and i said i that want that the you- seller will sue him uh-huh and so I said, I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> this is happening, of course, at eight o'clock at night. And when you get oh. a when you get a text like this, you stop what you're doing and you make some phone calls because my seller had just finished moving out that weekend. That's the worst. It was terrible. My stomach hurt and I knew I had to handle this. This is someone's life. And so I told her on the phone, I said, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to call your buyer and tell him it is not a risk. I will make sure he is sued. If I have to help pay for it, I will. I will make sure it happens. This is not a risk. This is a guarantee. And I'm not going to make any phone calls to my seller. I want you to have this conversation with your buyer. Fix it. And let him know that this is not an if. 
It is a when he gets served with papers on Monday, the battle begins and it is going to cost more than this monthly note will. Right. So I want you to have that discussion with your buyer. And she was like, honestly, I just want to say thank you for that's kind of what I needed to hear. Yeah, you know, thank like, you for that response. Thank you for that response because well, because you were giving her permission to use you as the way to say to him, this isn't okay. And right. you have to keep moving. And we can't just change our minds. Right. Because she was telling him this is not okay. And this is what you could be facing. He was facing. like, I don't care. And he's like, yeah, well, I doubt, you know, my my dad says the likelihood of them doing that is very low. And I'm like, it's not though. I will make sure. A hundred percent. I'll make it. A hundred percent. So... Um, I got a call the next morning with um, a, a week-long extension in my email Okay, because we, we do have to do an extension because he had told his lender to stop the stop presses. everything. Stop the presses. Stop it. Stop it. You know, we have to get the CD out, all of this. So she said, I just want to let you know my buyer will be moving forward. Great. I said, wonderful. So I called my seller. Okay. I said, good news, bad news. Uh, the bad news is we are not closing on Friday. Right. But it's okay because we are closing. Okay. And 12 hours ago, we weren't. And she right. was like, what? I was like, I know. Take a deep just, breath. Everything's right. fine. So I kind of just ran through the situation with her and she was like, okay. Okay, great. Well, I'll be there next week. Great. The end. The end. That's all. Have, have we closed? We close this week. Okay. I'm, so. just like, I'm still holding my breath a little. Like, I really need this person to show up. Again, you should know your total monthly note, and any of your financing conditions. During your due diligence period, yes. not four days before closing, not a week before closing, when you have the option to cancel, which is only during your due diligence period. So you can't start researching things post your 10, 14 days, however long it is. I also wanted to mention the interesting thing about commercial deals, the due diligence, and they always use the term due diligence, okay. right? Mm -hmm. The due diligence period could be months mm. because they have to research zoning and, you know, all, Serve, all yeah. kinds mm. of things, street things and parking things. And I mean, they're researching City permits, huge yeah. things. So those are way longer transactions because their due diligence periods are way longer. Mm -hmm. They're just doing deeper dives into a lot of all kinds of things. Sure. Okay. So let's go through with what people automatically think when they hear due diligence or inspection period. You've already touched on it. Basically, they think we're going to have inspections. Mm -hmm. So can you list for me some of the inspections that are kind of basic? So you have your general home inspection that checks everything. In our market, a termite inspection is a good idea. We get what's called a wood-destroying insect report. Right. Um, if the house is on a septic tank, you may need a private sewer inspection. Mm -hmm. If it is on private water, you may need a well inspected, mm -hmm. a water test. Like our state requires those, I think. Correct. Right. Okay. So that's like the basics. Yeah. I've had clients ask me before the general home inspection, should we get a mold test? Yes. And I'm like, well, we have this first inspection. Mm -hmm. And if he sees something that leads us to more, right. we go that route at that time. Right. So I basically listed the deeper dive and I had mold foundation. So mm -hmm. like if something is flagged mm -hmm. during your inspection and you need to know more, look, here's the bottom line of this. No house is perfect, whether it's brand new or a hundred years old. And no house is typically 
in irreparable damage. So mm-hmm. even if it has mold, a foundation issue, a roof problem, an AC issue, you can fix houses are fixable. And that's a very good point because I have had people ask, what happens if it fails inspection? So many times. I'm like, so well, many times. You can't fail. No. There is no failing no fail. the inspection. Mm-mm. Unless it's like a new construction and the city won't allow a permit until something is done. Right. Okay. Otherwise, that's fair. if it's a resale, it's up to you. Yeah. It I, may have failed in your eyes. Right, right. You may have changed your mind. It is a it is a what are you comfortable with as a buyer? What sure. can you handle? Some people are super handy and they're like, this is no big deal. And some people are like, every little thing is like the end of the world. Right. Um, I had a home inspector early in my career who said, if I don't find anything in the home inspection, it is free. And he said, I've been doing this X number of years and zero inspections have been free. Wow. And on that always something. And the day that he told us that, he had only found like two things. And one was like a loose cabinet door. Okay. Like it was so minor. But he was like, if there's nothing, this thing is free. So they're not, you have to remember too, your home inspector is not there to tell you great things about the house. They're there to give you an objective opinion of what the standards are in whatever area you are, of what's required of them to check. Yes. And we do have two, we have two or three inspection episodes that we'll share on our Instagram this week if you want to go back and dive deeper into the inspection process. We even interviewed an inspector. Yes, we sure did. So we have a deeper dive. So we'll post those on Instagram if you want to go follow there. As an agent, it is your responsibility to explain to your buyer before the inspection happens that the list may be long, houses aren't perfect, all of these things can be fixed. You have to set the tone before or else you're going to be dealing with a lot of cancellations during that due diligence, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Okay. Next up, we're going to talk about termite a little bit longer. You kind of covered all of this. But during that due diligence, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. (laughs) Did you, when you got your license, because I know there's a little bit of time between us, did the seller used to provide the termite inspection? We were just transitioning away from that. Okay. So I will tell you when I started, the way the Louisiana contract was written was the seller was responsible to provide a termite inspection, you know, the wood destroying insect report, that certificate at closing. At closing. Oh, they did not have to show it to you before. They could find termites and treat it and get a good one. Not a problem, not a problem. And most loans at that time, because it was in the contract, required that termite certificate to close. Can I tell you how many frantic closings we went to? Oh my God, did somebody get the termite? Oh, you didn't? Oh, we got to go. Termite inspectors were running like chickens with their heads cut off all the time. Always urgent. Because you needed a termite certificate to close. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was a term of the loan that was met at closing. So there's no terrible. There was no three days before you need, like there's a chance not having that termite report could delay a closing. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, Then it transitioned in our contract to say, basically, inspections are on the buyer, whatever ones they want. Do they want a home inspection, a termite inspection, a roof, what radon, whatever it is in your area? Those are here now. It's that's all on you. Correct. So many agents were very resistant to that (laughs) because they were used to the old way. This is how it's always been done. We need to. I was even told if you ever get a contract from someone where they ask the seller to provide the termite certificate, 
you know that they are either old school or are with or an old company. school right. company yeah. that still believes that's the way. And it's like, this hasn't been the way for several years. And the thing about it is when we look at it under the terms of due diligence and taking advantage of that time period to know for sure you want to buy this house, the fact of the matter is you want to be in control of that as the buyer. Right. You want to know if there are termites. You want to see their contract. You want to do that termite inspection. You don't want to wait for the seller to tell you, yeah, it's okay. I mean, there were termites, but here's a certificate saying they're gone now. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't ask for more repairs then. <laughs> you may want to talk to that company yourself. Right. You you need to be in control of all of your inspections. I would never want the seller to be in charge of any of my inspections as a buyer. Correct. Okay. So that's the deal with termites. Again, you've already mentioned if they do have a what's called a termite contract, you would want to then maybe tell the buyer, hey, you might want to get a copy. You might want to call XYZ Pest Company and just see what it covers. You might want to know that it doesn't cover damages. If the wall gets eaten up, the contract only covers them getting rid of the bugs. Like getting rid of the termites is the end of it. So I was actually under contract. I listed a house in November and we got a buyer at the beginning of January to close in March, okay? The property disclosure that the seller filled out said that the termite contract ended in January. Okay. So January 31st, 2023, termite contract has ended. Right. I was super impressed because the buyer's agent emailed me in February and said, Hey, I just wanted to check with you. I see the property disclosure states that the termite contracted ended in January. I just want to make sure that your seller renewed it. Okay. Wow. And I thought, dang. Talk about you, your due diligence. On top of it, mm-hmm. monitoring yeah. these things. Mm-hmm. So I messaged my seller who said, oh, I actually did. I have it on automatic renewal until I don't own the house Great. anymore. So she sent me a new copy and everything was good. But I was just very impressed by that agent. Yeah, very good. The other thing to remember about termite contracts like that, they transfer with the house, Mm -hmm. not with the person. So you just have to closing. If you've inherited one, you call and put it in your name. You're good to go. I have another story about termites for you. And then I promise y'all we'll get off the termite. This is not the termite episode, but they're a big deal. Clearly, we needed a whole termite (laughs) episode. Okay, so... This was five years ago. It showed up in my memories on my phone today. So I'm like, I had semi-forgotten. I'm like, perfect timing. So during my inspection, I had the buyer. We're buying an older home. They have a regular inspection and they have a termite inspection, even though this house was under termite contract. Because I tell all of my buyers, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. If you don't do this, it's on you. But I'm telling you, you need to do it. During the termite inspection, there is evidence of termites found. Okay. On the front of the house, there's like a little tunnel or dirt or whatever it is. And then there's some pinholes up high in one of the bedrooms. Okay. So pinholes mean that the termites have come all the way up the the wall and like poked their little whatever out <laughs> into the room, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're like, my clients are like, well, how do we know how long they've been here? I mean, the house has been under contract, but they're still here, right? Right. We asked the seller if they it was vacant thankfully can we open the wall as part of our inspection we Mm. need to see in the wall because we can't we can see they've gone up high and we don't know if they're still there what the damage is we need to open the wall they allowed us to open the wall whoa for the inspection and i have a photo of the wall for you oh my gosh (gasps) can you see how the termites have gone all the way up 
Okay, so y'all, I will so many tunnels. I don't think I don't think YouTube can see see it. Okay, but I'll post it later. So there are basically termites have eaten into all of the studs in this whole bedroom wall, and um, you could see where the the dirt and the tunnels go up, like the insulation. Well, I mean. It wasn't bad, but it looks terrible. Okay. Right? It looks really scary. So they had to get a contractor to come and check the structure. Everything was fine. It it looks worse than it is. We got rid of the termites. We checked all the studs. Everything was still structurally sound. We closed up the wall. The seller closed it back up and we proceeded to closing. But if we hadn't done the termite inspection and just took the word of, oh, you're under contract, okay, those things would have stayed there and just kept on going to town. Eating the whole house. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So that's the end of termites. If you're enjoying the Hustle Humbly podcast, we could use your help. We are trying to get some new reviews. Please head over to the show notes and click the link to leave us some new reviews at ratethispodcast.com slash hustle humbly. And if you're on Spotify, you need to follow, hit the bell, rate the show, and leave a comment on the current episode. And for our YouTube friends, like, subscribe, and hit that bell. Thanks for all your support. The next thing we're going to move on to, which is locally an issue, um, is foundation repair. So I had this on my list. You have a story. I recent, so I have a buyer under contract right now and the house has had foundation repair. My buyer had a lot of questions about is the warranty transferable? What if, you know, what is entailed in this? And so I felt like in this situation, my buyer should call the foundation company. Right. I do a lot of things on behalf of my clients, but if it's something like this where they have specific questions or concerns, I don't want to be the source of information. No. This is a big deal. Yeah, because also you're not the foundation company. Correct. Or a foundation expert. And I don't want to call them and misrelay a message or right. not ask further questions and have to call back. Right. So I did put that on him to understand is there a fee? Turns out there was a $125 fee associated with transferring the warranty. Oh. And if it's not done, then if you have an issue, you are not covered. What? Right. You can't figure that out when When you have an issue. When the problem happens. It's too late. Okay. So we, in our inspection response, asked the seller to pay that fee. Because it was a part of the transfer. Perfect. On that note, a lot of window companies also have a fee to transfer a window warranty into the name of someone new. Okay. So anything that comes with a warranty, call that company and say, is there a charge? What is that process? The foundation company needed the active cash sale once we close. Oh, wow. All these things. Okay. You know, but I wanted my buyer who had a lot of questions to ask those questions. And be comfortable at the closing. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, the other interesting thing about foundations that I learned, not the hard way, but along the way, if part of a foundation is repaired, that repair is warranted. Yes. They're not doing a warranty on the whole foundation. Right. Another part of the foundation could have a problem and you would have to pay to have it repaired. Mm-hmm. So just saying, oh, the foundation was repaired and it's under warranty is actually not accurate. That repair of that part of the foundation is under warranty. The rest of it can be moving around. Sure. And not covered. Not covered. Okay. So we're going to move on from that. Um, Next up, let's talk about new homes. Okay. Locally, we have 
new home warranties that are state required. Correct. Okay, so the builder has to provide this warranty. And this is per the New Home Warranty Act. In Louisiana. I do not know what it is in other states. I'm sure most builders provide some sort of warranty. But as a buyer and an agent, you need to find out what that is. During your due diligence period. And you need to send the warranty information to the buyer during that time so that they they can read what it's going to cover. So for us, there are different time periods. Like, you know, is it a year for pretty much everything? Most everything of new construction is covered. Then it's five years for structure. So if in year seven you have a structural issue, it is no longer the problem of the builder. Mm-hmm. So you need to know what it's covering, how long does it last. Read it. Right. As the buyer, you really need to read it. I noticed in my first house that I ever bought, it was a newer home. I was the second owner and I bought it when it was three years old. Okay. Per the new home warranty act at that time, it was five year foundation. Okay. I noticed after like a year of living there that one side of the house that probably needed gutters and was holding water more than it should had the brick was starting to crack. And I thought, okay, I don't know that I'm going to do anything about this yet. Right. I looked up the new home warranty act and remembered, okay, I have until this date Mm -hmm. to figure out because after this date, it's on me. Before this date, it's on the builder. Right. But I needed to know that date. Yeah. So I put it in my calendar to, I just kept rechecking it. And then like six months before I was like, okay, I feel like it is getting worse. Okay. So I called the um, builder who sent out the foundation company mm-hmm. and made the repair. Perfect. But if I would have just kept putting it off. You could have waited six more months. And then they would be like, oh, I'm sorry. It expired last week. Right. Nothing you can do. No, 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 no. Nothing. I have buyers right now getting a pretty major repair done on a three-year-old home Mm. that, again, stucco. And we're going to talk about that in another episode. Um, But it was within their warranty. And although they are you know, obviously it's an aggravation. And and I'm like, listen, the win here is that your builder showed up and handled this because mm-hmm. there are builders that are no longer in business, don't have the money to do it, even if they wanted to help you or just don't or non-responsive, don't care. The, they'll let you sue them. Um, so the fact that they showed up and are making this pretty major repair is a win. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, no house is perfect. No house is going to stay perfect. And mm-hmm. that's the other thing you have to teach your buyers. It's not going to be perfect now and then on the day of the inspection the ac might be working great and three weeks after closing the ac may fail right this is not because the inspector was negligent in most cases right right okay like sure there's a chance but these things happen these things happen and i think like if you're buying a new house and you're in your due diligence period Put those dates in your phone to say, okay, anything going on with the roof, anything going on with the major components of the home yeah, so that you know when to check. Right. I think that's a great idea. Okay. Let's go move on from inspections and problems to things like a survey. Okay. Okay. So tell people about a survey. Do you tell your clients to get a survey? I don't. In Louisiana, they are not required um, in in some of our older parts of town that are 100 years old and you have layers of fencing and servitudes if i have if i hear a buyer say 
oh, I don't know. I wonder where the property line is. I'm like, you you need need a survey. You need a survey. And it's funny because even in my email template, I went back and added in the um, your under contract email, you may want to have a survey. You may not. It's not required. It's up to you. If you feel like there is something with the property that you're not sure about, now is the time. Um, And so that has been added recently, not necessarily because I had any problems, but- To avoid problems. Just to avoid problems. And then when I bought my cabin in Tennessee, um, this particular, I don't know if it's all of Tennessee or just my particular because I was in a mountain. Right, in a they mountain. Requ- the, my loan required a survey. Okay. And I enjoyed looking at it after I got it. Right. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, it goes all the way to the road, and I didn't realize that. Okay. Um. So now I do ha- add it as a recommendation. Okay. All right. So there are some things I think you would want to look out for as the agent when you're there that might flag you to say you need a survey. Okay. All right. Signs of a servitude. And what would be a sign of a servitude? A power or a phone or some type of cable box, like the box that comes up on the side of the house, the front yard, wherever. Mm. There's a box somewhere that belongs to a utility then probably there's a servitude associated, right? Right. Um, Also, if there are power lines that go next to the property, behind the property, in close proximity, not from the line to the house, but the actual lines that go from house to house, that's probably a servitude. You might need to know where is your line? What part is your responsibility? Can you put a fence there? Can you not? These are all survey questions. Um, And then drainage here is a big one. Mm -hmm. If you show a house... And the back fence is there, and then there's some sort of ditch, canal, space, and then the next back neighbor is their fence is there. Like, there's basically an alley between the two fences. This is likely some type of servitude. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Who's going to access it? You might want to know, and you might want to get a survey. Um, I think that's all all I have about surveys. I have a few more. Okay, go on. So, I had a situation where a client backed up to railroad tracks. Oh. Okay. It was actually in a really cute part of town and when the railroad went through it went really slow because it was so close to the houses okay and some people even had ladders where they like gave the rail guy snacks as he passed oh that's it was cute it was cute that's really cute um even though it can also be a nuisance but in this situation well they got served a letter um years later basically stating you don't own the back 30 feet of your your yard. Oh, because, that's a lot. Because the railroad servitude is X amount of feet around the railroad track. Oh, wow. But this fence, this yard has been fenced in for decades. Okay. The lot dimensions include that, that part. That part. So it was a whole thing. We had to get it figured out. Okay. The second thing was if you back up to like a creek or something, I had a situation where a seller got – so they they backed up to a creek mm-hmm. that was – I don't know if it was theirs or who it was. When they bought the house, there was a deck that went out over the creek. Okay. They don't own that creek. Okay. Right. They got a letter – Well, the whole neighborhood got a letter that whoever does own that creek is going to be basically adding in um, a drainage and covering it because it's going to be a parking lot for a new retail shopping center. Oh, my God. Um, Wait. wait, It was was a creek that people literally put a deck on and, like, enjoyed. Yes. And then it was going to become a parking lot? Yep. Oh, my word. It was terrible. It was terrible. Now, they got enough resistance and the neighborhood rallied together and fought it, but she still had to remove her deck. 
Okay. So that happened. Um, I had a buyer that was buying out in St. Gabriel, a little bit more of a rural place outside of Baton Rouge, who wanted a survey. And the title attorney said, well, sometimes there's just an old survey on file. Oh. And I was like, oh, helpful. Yeah. Apparently, there's lots of surveys on file. Okay. This particular subdivision had a survey from when it was developed. So you could – it was the whole subdivision, but you could zoom in on your specific lot. Got it. So technically, you have a survey of your home. It's just part of the whole – this survey – had all these lines all over it. And I was like, what is this? I do not understand what this is. And she's like, oh, they're pipelines. (laughs) And I'm like, is that bad? She's like, depends. It it wouldn't bother me. Would it bother you? It doesn't bother any of the people that live here. They probably don't even know. But technically, the subdivision was built over... A pipeline. Pipelines. Mm -hmm. Several, several different connecting Mm -hmm. pipelines. Yeah. My buyer canceled. She just she was like I don't was know that totally I that. freaked out. Yeah. I know. It, I mean, I have sold many houses in that neighborhood since, and I have always told them this story of just so you know, because I know this, there are it's pipelines. Small houses it's, in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Interesting that you would bring that one up. Pipelines everywhere. That same neighborhood that you're talking about, because I know what it is. An agent in my last office was involved in a lawsuit because her buyer bought in there and then later discovered there was a pipeline that pipeline <gasps> yes and was trying to like was doing all this research about health problems and yes this and yes. that and I, honestly i need to go fi- follow up and see what happened but he had been researching the buyer as he lived in the house for a couple of years <sighs> just became obsessed with was figuring. obsessed with it my buyer, when she found out there were pipelines, she's like, well, what is in the pipeline? Is it a gas? Is it a liquid? Like, Oh, wow. This what is great. Ki- yeah. Right. What, what is in the pipeline? Because that might determine if I feel comfortable or not. How deep is it? Right. If I want a pool someday. Right. Can I have a pool or mm-hmm. will this pipeline prevent me from having a pool? Yeah. All these things have to be answered. If, you, if this is a deal breaker for you, it has to be figured out. During, during your, your due dil- doing your due during diligence, your due diligence. yes, that is the time that it has to be done. Oh my god! <gasps> okay, right, right. Let's, so many things. Next up on things you need to check during your due diligence: <laughs> your insurance. Alyssa, why? Why would we want to check our insurance during due diligence? Because if it comes back higher than you were expecting, thus making your monthly note higher than you were expecting, if you are still approved for the loan, you have to buy it. Right. And it can be like really a lot higher than you thought. A lot higher. So locally in our area, we have to be aware. Everyone everywhere needs homeowner's insurance, right? This is normal. Your lender's going to require it. It's going to cover things like fire and, you know, whatever. Natural disasters, wind, hail. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Depending on your policy, you have to figure this out during your due diligence. Water damage from a pipe, you know, these kind of things, right? You need – your lender's going to make you get homeowner's insurance. Here, there are many areas that require then flood insurance. Mm -hmm. And every place is in a flood zone, and flood zone X locally doesn't require – 
require flood insurance, but you could still get it. And if you want to get it, you better find out how much it is during your due diligence. So this is a recent change in our market. And again, this is a reminder that as realtors, we need to stay up to date with changes. Right. Because before 2022, if you were in flood zone X, Mm -hmm. which means flood insurance is not required, but it is still a flood zone. All of Louisiana is a flood flood zone. zone. Okay. I don't know if it's like that every I'm sure it is. I'm sure every place has a zone of sorts. I would think. Anyways, X is not required. So before 2022, if you were in X, it was kind of the same number. If you wanted voluntary flood insurance, you paid X amount. Yeah, it was like 450 Yeah, 400, 450. It was always in the fours. In the fours, okay? Pretty much the same. Now, as of 2022, they changed it Mm -hmm. to where – Every house is different. Yeah. It could be $1,000, $2,000, $300, Yeah. If you're in flood zone X, it doesn't matter. It varies depending on the house. Yeah. So even though it's not required, if it, you want to carry it, you need to know what that number yeah, is during your 10 days. it's automatically one amount. Right. The interesting thing about that time frame when they changed it, my house that – that we are literally sitting in right now to record okay. is in flood zone AE. What? So, <laughs> right. So flood insurance is required. I did not know that. Now, we're not going to dive deep into flood insurance, but I could have gotten a Loma letter and gotten a map amendment because they built up the neighborhood. So although it is inside of that zone mm. AE, it is high enough that I could probably say I did not need flood insurance. But I'm like, you know what? This kind of holds my feet to the fire and makes me get it. And I know that I should have it. And it was always 600 bucks. It had gone up a little every year, 500, 600, because we're high. So even though it was AE, it was 680 bucks, I think, at last count. And then when they changed the rules, it went down to 382. (gasps) That's awesome. I have never seen flood insurance that cheap because even in the non-required zones, it would be like in the fours, right? Right, right. So I was like, well, this is great. Because they're looking at your elevation. Like they're taking more things into account now when they give you your flood insurance amounts. Point Mm -hmm. is, you need to know, do you want flood insurance? Do you need flood insurance? And how much is that going to cost? Because it can vary wildly. Like in the New Orleans area, I can't even. Some places are like thousands Thousands. of dollars. Yeah. Thousands. So it is important for your buyers to know what type of insurance is allowed in your area. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, what do you have there? Earthquakes? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So at my recent inspection, the the inspector was telling me that many insurance companies are requiring what's now called a four-point inspection. So Mm. when he does his inspection, he includes a separate PDF of the four-point inspection. What are the four points? I don't remember. I would love to know. Okay. I think it – I know for sure he had to take – it. like in the roof section, Uh it requires certain – pictures of the vents of if it has gables like Mm -hmm. but they need certain photos yeah okay otherwise if you don't have this inspection they have to send out the insurance company okay this used to not be as big of a deal but now insurance companies are requiring it i know he had to do some things with the ac and water heater and the foundation okay um but i i'm not sure what all it was but i thought that's very interesting because again, if they won't quote you right. until you have that, right. you you 
it's almost like the second you're under contract, you need to be shopping for insurance. Yeah. Because it could be a lengthy process of what they need. Right. And if you can ask what they need before your home inspector is going, you could tell your home inspector, hey, my insurance company needs this, this, and this to quote me. Can we get that today while you're in the attic? Yeah. And not every house is approved for insurance. Correct. So you, and that doesn't mean there won't be anyone who could provide insurance. It just may be very, very, very expensive, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So- they there is what's called a clue report. So if you're the home you're purchasing has had insurance claims, they're recorded in like a database. Yep. They can be looked up. Insurance agent, when they go to get your insurance quote, are gonna see the history of that house. And that stays with the house, whether it was with this seller or a previous owner or whatever. So that could happen. Um the, the roof is usually the biggest one. For the, sure. They're like, we're not yeah. going to approve this. This roof is too old. I've had n- several transactions over my career where the seller had to replace the roof wow. before yeah. the buyer could buy mm-hmm. because it was too old, some old damage. Maybe it wasn't even leaking at that point or the buyer didn't care, but the insurance wouldn't be approved. And here's the thing. If the insurance isn't approved, the financing could get denied. Right. Deal over. Yeah. You have to have insurance if you have a loan. Um, the other one is the water heater age. Mm-hmm. This has become a problem it feels like in the last few years, some insurance companies are like, oh, your water heater is working fine, but it's 40 years old. No. Not doing it. We're not going to do it. Hmm. So that's something to think about as well. Um, And then I wanted to talk about timing issues on insurance. We have so many fun, interesting things we have to deal with here. But if there is a named storm Mm -hmm. that enters the Gulf of Mexico, tropical storm, hurricane, if it is named... And it rolls into the Gulf of Mexico. Insurance is no longer going to be bonded, which means insurance, if you're closing tomorrow and the storm is way far away and everyone's like, it's never going to even hit here, it doesn't matter. If it is named, there is a hold. Your insurance cannot be bonded. So I cannot tell you how many times I got this email from my broker. Hey, there's a tropical depression coming. If you have a closing next week, make sure your buyers have gotten their insurance bonded, which means it's like secured, it's ready to go. Right. Okay. Otherwise, you may have to do an extension until the storm passes. Right. And you have to get a new policy. Wait, I had one last year that was like, well, the storm has passed. It hit, let's call it Alabama. I don't even remember. It wasn't even here. It was hours away. And they would not finish our transaction until someone from the insurance company came and inspected the house. And I'm mm. like, I this is not acceptable. Right. It was not here. Yes, it didn't come here. And we had to fight it. I believe we had to do some serious fighting before they would say, okay, fine. And again, the insurance struggles that we're experiencing as a country right now are everywhere. And they are changing how they do business. And it is time consuming. Mm-hmm. So your due diligence period includes finalizing all of that. Right. I tell my clients, after this 10 days, the only thing that should be left is the appraisal. Right. The first 10 days are full. I need you checking your email, responding to lenders, title companies. Like, we have a lot to do. Yeah. So stay on top of it. And then after that, we can coast a little bit. Agree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last thing on insurance. If you're buying a condo or a townhome Mm -hmm. and there's some sort of insurance policy for the outside or whatever it may be or the common area, you really need to take a look at that. And along with that, HOA. 
Yeah. What are the HOA dues? Right. What does it cover? Well, I thought that they covered the roof. Well, did you know that? No. You can assume nothing during your due diligence period. This is your time for you to review your restrictions. I had... It wasn't my client. It was another agent. But I had a friend whose client bought a condo only to find out that the complex does not allow you to have pets over 50 pounds. Yeah. That's pretty serious. It was in. Yes. And they had a dog that is like family that was well over 50 pounds. (gasps) And it was a huge issue. What did they do? They begged and pleaded with the HOA, please come meet the dog. Come interview the dog. Like, <laughs> Do you whatever will, you have to do. You will fall in love with the dog. He's gentle. He's old. He doesn't bite. He doesn't chew. He doesn't pee inside. Doesn't matter. This is the, the rules HOA the rules. restriction. Yes. Yes. So um, she hid it as long as she could, but then she got reported, and I don't know really how it ended. But Ugh. but these are the things. I have a client right now that wants chickens, okay? <laughs> right? They want chickens in their yard. And you, we have had to pour through HOA. I pour through HOA rules before showings. Yeah. Because I know we're not going to go see this house because you can't have chickens. Yeah. And you want chickens. Right. So this is a no. Right, right, right. Uh, that's so funny. Um Other things on when you're looking at your HOA restrictions, because, you know, a lot of them are so strict in like a complex, right? A condo or a townhome. But even if you're in a neighborhood with restrictions, they'll have things like you can't park on the street. Mm -hmm. You can't park an RV or a boat or a trailer in your driveway. Like if your client has a car, a third car, a fourth car that they need to put on the road every day, they're going to be pretty upset if they keep getting reported and having to pay fines or being told they can't do something that they need to do because they didn't look at the restrictions before. Mm -hmm. So, so important to study those restrictions. Can you have a pool? Can you have a play set? What do you need? You better look into that before it's too late because it's not, and those are going to be legal battles that you likely won't win. Correct. You know, the rules are the rules, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Okay. I think that's, is that all you had for HOA? Oh, the other one I thought about restrictions, they're also like deed restrictions. Hmm. So I've had a client who bought on a more rural piece of property, but this particular section of the town was restricted to one house per acre. Okay. And they wanted to put a house for their parents, like a guest house. Oh. You see? Yes. But they couldn't. Yet you couldn't. There were some little loopholes, like ways to finagle it, but it was important to know you can't just build two or three houses here, even though they're all for family and we're on property. That No. Mm. That wasn't, there was restrictions on that property. Yeah, like the lot in my neighbor, so I'm not in a neighborhood, I'm just on a rural street and they're all acre and a half lots. And whenever they were subdivided, restrictions were placed that whoever buys this lot, the house has to have a front porch. Oh, I love that. Because they want all of them to have a consistent Acadian look to them. Okay. And so front, if you drive down my street, we all have front porches. Oh, that's but if nice. you are anti front porches for some reason, right. I don't know who would be. You really I love want your them. garage in the yeah, front. You really want your garage. Um, and you didn't know that and you bought this lot. What are you going to do? Surprise. Yeah. When the builder goes to apply for permits, he's going to find you it. You can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to know what you can and cannot do. Okay. Next up, schools. 
<laughs> do you think you'll ever have children? <laughs> no. Do you like have children now? Do you want them to go to a specific school? You need to check the lines during your due diligence. Where Where is the school? Where are the lines? And be advised, lines can change. I was just about to say, so I live in Prairieville mm-hmm. and we, it is, you know, used to be rural. Now it's booming. Yeah. And there has been so many new schools and right. the lines are constantly changing. Yeah. So even if you buy a house for this specific you school, you could get transferred if right. a new school opens or right. they redraw right, right, right. the lines to help keep the classroom sizes small. Mm-hmm. But I, again, that is something I don't tell my clients, hey, this is in the school district you want. Never. 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 Because if that changes or you're wrong, you are getting sued. Yeah, I don't want – Yes. No. So you'll, have to, mm. you'll have to go to the school board website. Here you go. Yeah, maybe research. What's upcoming? Right. What is go- – What is there new schools in the talks? Mm-hmm. Is there a time frame on these things? I have a client that wants to move out of the school zone he is in now, and there is a new school being built nearby. And he's like, how do we know what that one's going to cover? I'm like – you don't. Not right you now. You can try looking on the school board website, but it's, he says it won't be released until like six months from now. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. these are like governmental issues. Right. I'm like, you can try to call your like councilman. I don't like, yeah. I don't know how you would find out. You just have to wait. But when it's something that is specifically important to that buyer, it's really on them to do that research. Right. To make sure. And to kind of... Go through your mind. What if it doesn't work out the way you want it to? Like, mm-hmm. what are those consequences? What's going to happen? Will you have to sell? Like, we need to know, like, what's the outcome? Okay. I had a client. <laughs> this was several years ago. They had a child with special needs. Okay. This child had a special trampoline okay. that they could do their therapies on. Okay. And it, was a cer- it wasn't your typical trampoline. It was a certain size. It was more rectangular and could fit other adults and, you know, okay. all these things. We found a house that was really perfect for them, but the yard was kind of small. Okay. They went out with tape measures during our showing to measure the yard to see can we fit this trampoline and it would it still be a functional yard yeah and every house that we went to they measured the grass yeah <laughs> to, to see right and they also opted to get a survey because right. they couldn't be surprised with oh well the they fence had is to have it. six inches off the property right. like we need all every inch that we can get we is important Yeah. That's great because measurements were on next on my list. Okay. So I had clients who had a very large truck and it was, he was adamant that the truck needed to be in parked inside of the garage. So he busted out his tape measure at every showing. Sometimes we even pulled that dang thing in. Yeah. To every showing, we measure the garage. There are people, like you said, with the trampoline that have an outdoor issue that they need to measure, an indoor something that they need to me- need to measure, a special bed, a spe- mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Measurements have to be checked again during your due diligence. You can't cancel right before closing because you realized your truck doesn't fit in the garage. Mm-mm. This is not an acceptable legal reason to cancel. Right. So I think the other thing is 
maybe you need to check for specific furniture. And then you mentioned the appraisal issue. Mm -hmm. So tell us what, what that means. So I have had a situation or two where the appraisal came back fine on value. Okay. But the square footage was that the appraiser got when they measured was different than the square footage listed in MLS. Okay. And while and that's not a grounds for cancellation. If it made value and it's worth what right. you're paying, your loan is approved. You right. don't have an out. Mm-hmm. But I had an engineer that was like, but I don't want to pay 190 a square foot. Right. I want to pay 180 a square foot. Yeah. I I thought I was buying it for 180 a square foot. I'm like, no, sir, you're buying it for 300,000. Right. And it appraised for 300,000. Right. And while there was a square footage discrepancy, you're still approved and it's still appraised. And he was very upset about the fact that it what he thought the square footage of the house was is not what it was. Because he, he was very focused on the price per square foot and what kind of that deal was he was getting. That his right. engineer brain was very concerned about price per square foot. So he went from being fine, fine to all of a sudden feeling gypped totally. Right. Even though it appraised. So yeah. if you are questioning mm-hmm. the square footage, you got to check it. You have to check it during your due diligence period because right. the appraisal is usually ordered after the due right. diligence period. Right. Right. You got you can't wait for that. And you don't get it back in time. No. I mean even when the appraiser goes, it takes a week sometimes. Right. Uh, the last one we've already mentioned, but I want to circle back to it cuz it's so so important. Any financial information you need to check. So if you need to know the you need to know the amount of your your monthly note. Mm -hmm. You need to know the terms of your loan. Make sure your rate is locked. Right. If you're not happy with these things, you've got to cancel during that period. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, at taxes, same. That's also a financial thing. Mm. Check the taxes. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the amount they are, you better cancel during your due diligence. Right. Okay, I feel like this has been a very long and thorough list. However, I had a whole section about common problems here, but I feel like I we're, should, we're out of time. I, I don't know. I mean, do you want to keep going? What what kind of comment? Can we skim them real quick? Let's try. Okay. Oh, my last thing on your due diligence though was to talk to the neighbors. Like, if, oh yeah, tell your client. Now, sometimes this can backfire on you, so do it <laughs> tread lightly. Um, but ask the neighbors if you want to know about flooding nearby. If this is a home is new, but some of the other homes are older, was has there been flooding? What's you know, what's the drive story? by on a rainy day and see how right. the, the water drainage. flows? Right. Yeah. So that was on my list of common problems: drainage. Right. You need to if it's raining, run by there. Um, we talked about foundation, commonly problem here. We talked about mold, common problems here. We, you and I talked about tree roots and a plumbing line. I oh, mean, yeah. If you want a plumbing inspection. You, I mean, look, yeah. if there are big trees nearby or crepe myrtles right next to the house or something like that, maybe you feel like you need to, depending on the age of the home. Um, stucco, which we've talked about twice. Yep. If you are an agent in Louisiana and your client is buying a home that is all stucco or predominantly stucco or has one of those beautiful parapet walls, which is a beautiful straight stucco wall with no type of overhang at all, please, 
please make them aware that that stucco, the nature of it is to crack and to <laughs> let moisture in and to potentially have a rotten wall when your home is only three years old. I'm just saying this it happens. Yeah. And it happens in my current neighborhood all the time. People are ripping off the full front of their house and redoing it. So scary. Okay. Because it can happen. So stucco is like a major, just be aware. Mm-hmm. Like you just need to be aware. It doesn't mean you can't buy a house with stucco. My other one for to be aware of during your due diligence dormer windows Ugh. if you don't know what a dormer window is i recommend you google it but it's that cute little window that peeks up it's on the roof and it maybe just has the attic behind it it's not necessarily a room but those things leak all the time here because of the nature of our weather mm-hmm. so it's very hot and then it's very rainy and then it's windy from storms like these things happen um also windows only have typically a 10-year warranty mm-hmm hurricanes happen maybe it doesn't like the window doesn't look that bad but you have a warranty on that window for 10 years so you might want to take a real close look at them just like you did with your foundation right before your warranty was up on year nine and a half like how's this window look um i the other thing with we could do a whole episode on termites and now that we've started talking about it i feel like maybe we should but i will tell you i have a client and friend who currently just finished redoing a whole wall of their house because they bought a townhome. The townhome is covered, has a termite policy, is up to date. But the last owner of this unit put brick pavers in the back little courtyard. So cute. They go straight up to the house, Mm. which covers the slab. Right. And even though the termite company had been treating, they never flagged it as a problem, which means the termite company is really negligent there. But None of it was covered. Oh, no. None of it was covered by the HOA. None of it was covered by the termite contract. And so they had to redo. So you need to be able to see if you're in Louisiana C slab. That's so important. And um, I think that's my PSA about that. But if you're in another area, what are your things? Are there earthquake things? Is it radon? Is it basements? What are the things that you need to look out for? You need to talk to an a seasoned agent or your broker and make sure you're aware of what your clients need to be made aware of. Sure. Okay. And I guess we should have said this at the beginning of the episode. Right. (laughs) But our disclaimer would be, we are not saying that everything we listed in today's episode (laughs) has to be checked in every single due diligence period. Oh my God. But they are things to be aware of and to when your buyer is saying something is really important to them, that you listen, they keep talking about the school. They keep talking about wanting to have mom on the property one day. Like those are the things that you need to pick up on. trigger you. To say, hey, you may want to call the permit office. This episode is more of a mental checklist for you as an agent. It is not made for you to make a checklist for your buyer to scare the bejesus out of them. Right. (laughs) They are not going to want to buy a house. They surely aren't wanting to do the work to do do all of this due diligence, right? Yeah. So this episode is for you. to If you want to make yourself a checklist, that's fine. Just things to be aware of as you go. Because we have been doing this so long, they come to us typically automatically, right? Right. If I see power lines running behind a house and they're talking about using this pretty green area for something, I'm like, hey, that might be a servitude. Right. 
we're just trying to help you like keep them top of mind because there are even things I forget sometimes. I'm like, oh, dang. Same. I should have I should have mentioned that. When that agent asked me if my seller renewed the termite contract, I went and checked all of my pending property <laughs> disclosures to it's make like, sure. I'm like, I wonder when those expire. Right, exactly. Okay. Are you ready for a toast? Yes. This one is so special. It is? It, yeah. It comes from, I'm already smiling. It comes from Erin O'Brien, our friend in Virginia Beach, Virginia. She would like to toast to Jay and Murphy. Oh, that's sweet. Okay, I am all for toasting Murphy Caldwell, the dog that brings everyone joy um, and happiness on a daily basis and made me realize I love corgis. Oh, that's so sweet. She said, but seriously. Where is Murphy right now? I don't, he's not here. We should bring him in. For YouTube. Right, we'll bring him in. But seriously, I think that Jay Caldwell should be toasted. It sounds like Jay selflessly puts in hours and hours of time, effort, and YouTube watching to help Hustle Humbly Podcast exist as the man behind the curtain. Yeah, even though he interrupted us at the beginning of this this episode, episode, we probably he probably edited it out for the um, audio. But if you watch it on YouTube, you might hear it, it. right? And she says, and we are all grateful for him. We are. We are so grateful for him. So thanks, Jay. We yeah. love you. Yeah. Where's our dog? Do you want to get the dog? Yeah, go get Murphy. Get we'll let YouTube say, dog? hi, Murphy. Do you know what Whitney told me yesterday? What? That her husband wants a shirt that says, like, I want to be Jay. Who wants that? Whitney. No way. Like, because so he's cute. he's um, a carpenter, too, and right. loves to do oh, piddle thing and, like, garden so and things. Funny. He like wants a shirt that's like I want to be Jay. The Jay of all trades. Yeah, the Jay of all Jay trades. Of all he trades. can do everything. Let's, let's call Jay of all trades because the dog went went up there with him. Oh, I know. It's sad. Maybe they should make an appearance for the YouTube. Oh, right. We'll, we'll we'll make them come sit here in the chairs. Yeah, he could cut it. Oh, that would be cute. No. That would be cute. Okay, <laughs> hold on, YouTube. We're we're working on it. We're working on it. He's gonna be like, I'm not so dressed. What are you talking about? Hey, we need a little favor. Can you and the dog come in? Bring the dog, bring the dog. He's he's coming. Oh, good. <laughs> Let's make him sit here and take their picture. Oh, okay. Like they're recording the podcast. Yes, yes. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah, we'll put the we'll put the microphones on them and make them say hello to YouTube. We'll put the dog in your chair. YouTube can just It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be so great. <laughs> What a great idea, Aaron. Stay. Okay. Stay. She told me I would have dressed up a little. <laughs> <laughs> you look fine. Oh, no, he left. Oh, Murphy. Oh, come on, Murphy. Murphy, say hi to YouTube. Stay. Hi, uh, YouTube. You're like, she's. <laughs> <laughs> Murphy, stay. Stay. Look oh, at, this is so sweet. Look at mom. He's like, what are you talking about? All right, that we did what we could. Okay. Okay, okay thanks. Bye, bye goodbye. <laughs> you can cut that however you see fit. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye. This is the good life.